You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by a 2019 NLC Houston fellow. Chris Hollins is here. We'll catch up with him. Always fun to connect with people from Houston, my home city. So we'll talk a little bit about nostalgia, I'm sure, but current events as well. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Chris. Yeah, so I was graduating class 97 from Clear Lake High School. How long have you been in Houston, Texas? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Houston. I grew up on the southwest side of town uh, and in high school moved to Missouri City. So I graduated from Hightower High School in 2003. And how would you describe the state of things in Houston right now? I know it's been a tough couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, we are having our second wave of COVID-19. Uh, I think local leaders uh, in Houston and Harris County did a, a great job of trying to you know, enforce you know, work from home rules and other uh, safety initiatives. Uh, but we were overruled by uh, by our governor. And so we're now in, in this place where COVID has reemerged and we're having to deal with that. And then in terms of your day-to-day life work-wise, how do you usually answer what you do for a living? Well, as of about a month and a half ago, I will tell you that I am the county clerk of Harris County. Uh, in that role, uh, my office provides a number of critical services to the people of Harris County. Um, but What's relevant to most among them is that I'm the chief elections officer for the county. So Harris County, as you know, is the third largest county in the country, uh, 4.7 million residents, 2.4 million registered voters. Uh, And we are in the midst of our July primary runoff election as we speak. And in terms of what that role entails for you implementing and I guess procedures, policies is the main goal to get as many people registered. Is it the main goal to get as many people voted? Are you spending all your time now trying to figure out COVID election voting procedures and absentee? Like, how would you kind of parse through what you're what you're trying to consider each each day that you're going to work? Yeah. So oddly enough, voter registration does not fall under me at all. Uh, in an unfortunate vestige of uh, the Jim Crow South, Voter registration uh, takes place in the tax assessor's office uh, in Harris County and many places across Texas. But once you're registered, uh, you know my office takes it from there. And what we want to do is focus on uh, increasing voter turnout, voter accessibility, uh, making sure that everybody who's registered to vote has the opportunity to cast that vote safely, especially now in COVID-19, uh, but also with the, the peace of mind that that vote's going to be counted. And then how do you perceive what's coming out from the state house because i know there's been a lot of court battles about who gets absentee who's allowed to request absentee what what role do you play in that once those decisions come down or can you even try to in- influence those decisions as they're trying to be made uh well we can do our best uh and right now we are party to the legislation to expand the right to vote uh texas uh, not the legislation pardon me the the lawsuit and litigation to expand the right to vote uh, texas is one of the few states uh of easily five or less states in all of the 50 that has not expanded the right to vote by mail uh, during this pandemic. And so uh, I think that's the wrong decision. Again, the safest way to vote right now is to vote without leaving the comfort and safety of your home. Uh, But for many Texans, uh, they do not have that right currently. Uh, But for those who do, we're trying to inform them of that right and encourage them to exercise it. And then of course, make sure that we have the, the infrastructure uh, the equipment and everything that we need to process those mail-in ballots as they come in. Got it. When we go back. We'll talk with Chris a little bit more about his current job, but also what his NLC experience was like in 2019. Thanks for tuning in this episode. We'll be right back. 
yeah, Chris, you know, we're in recruitment mode for the 2021 fellows class. Uh, obviously, it'll be a very interesting adventure once those fellows are picked and they, once they get started. When you think back to what you were considering in 2019 before joining NLC, what were some of your priorities for, for joining the program? Yeah, for me, you know, so I have a background in, in democratic politics and government uh, and also the law. I'm, a, I'm an attorney by background. Um, but as you may know, being, say, a Democrat and being a progressive aren't always the same thing, although there's quite a bit of an overlap. And so I wanted to, to learn more about you know, what it truly meant to be a progressive and to educate myself on uh, progressive issues and build my network among uh, so many you know, of the folks who are doing the work uh, of, of moving forth uh, you know, progressive ideas and initiatives uh, across uh, this country, but specifically in Houston. But uh, but was also again excited about the national network. And what do you think people misunderstand or misperceive about Houston itself? <laughs> uh, well, you know, folks who are from the coast still, oddly enough, think that you know we have cows and just like oil derricks, uh, you know, in downtown Houston. Uh, people don't realize that we're the fourth and soon to be third largest city in the country. People don't realize that we are uh, one of the younger cities in America. Uh, one of, if the, if not the most diverse cities in America, uh, you know, there are more people under the age of 25 in in uh, in Houston than pretty much any other city in the country. And again, if you look at the breakdown of people who are from, uh, you know, Vietnam, China, uh, West Africa, uh, many parts of, of Western Europe, uh, you know, South Asia. Houston has so many of those vibrant communities um, and people don't know that people think, you know, they think of this sort of stereotypical Texas and they apply that to Houston and, uh, and they don't realize how, how, uh, you know, how diverse, how interesting uh, the city is. Yeah, I think that's true. When I try to explain to people out here that I, I end up, I think making comparisons similar between Houston and Los Angeles, right? You don't have a, dominant demographic majority. Uh, yeah, all the things you said about a city being inter international is true in LA, definitely true at home in Houston. Um, the different communities being very spread out too, right? Car culture is is something that's dominated there for better or worse. Uh, yeah, yeah so I, think, I think you're right. People definitely need to work on shifting their their perceptions of, of, of Texas. You know, one thing I was curious about, because, you know, having grown up there, knowing how tied into oil prices and the energy sector, the economy was and seeing all the, the dramatic changes that have happened in the last two or three or four months. Yeah, what impact have you seen, um, you know, amongst a lot of the, the NLC communities, professions think like nonprofits or schools or education, how are people kind of thinking and talking through the e economic impacts of what's going to happen in the next six to 12 months? Yeah, I mean, it's still early, although we're now, you know, many months into this, uh, People are still figuring it out. You know, in my role as, as county clerk, I've been trying to uh, ask our school superintendents to, you know, have a holiday or uh, an in-service day on November third, so that we can use their buildings for for elections. But even these these high-powered school administrators still have no idea what they're going to be doing a month from now when schools are supposed to be starting. And so, you know, kind of trickle that down to, you know, my NLC classmates and, and other fellows. Um, we're just, we're learning. I know that, you know, immediate funding is, is uh, a bit of an issue for nonprofits. 
Um, I think I think the focus of many nonprofits has has switched from maybe whatever their core mission was to just again safety and food and housing and basic needs of of the people of Houston and surrounding areas. Um, but yeah, for folks in the private sector in particular, um, there are issues with jobs, you know, furloughs. Uh, I'm a small business owner myself. I've been fortunate not to uh, lay anybody off, but uh, but that was a really serious decision on my part. It wasn't an obvious thing that I wasn't, that I, I was going to be able to, you know, keep everybody employed. Uh, and so we're, uh, we're working our way through it, trying to figure out how to survive in this brave new world, but there's a lot to come. And Hey, last thing, do the Rockets have any chance of sneaking through and winning the title this year? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think things are wide open here. I actually have a, a t-shirt, uh, that my staff has convinced me not to wear that says uh, it's sort of a campaign shirt that says Harden Westbrook 20 on it. Uh, and so I've been trying to sneak out to the polls with it on, but haven't been able to do that yet. But who knows, man, this, this bubble, somebody gets sick, you know, an injury here or there. I mean, we're easily to me a top four, top five team. And so uh, there's going to be a lot who knows who's been staying in shape. I know Russ has been out in LA working out with a, uh, with Kevin Hart and his trainer. Um, but yeah, if we come in in shape and with a lot of zeal and a lot of fire, I think we might be able to get it done. Yeah, good stuff. Listen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to check out all past episodes and all the places you get your podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple and Google. They're all there. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.